0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Writers Drinking Coffee, or in my case, wine. This is a podcast based on writers sitting around drinking coffee, or in my case, wine, and talking about anything and everything. We may use explicit language, and will almost certainly drop F-bombs. But this is not the point or drive of the content, so consider us PG-13 with wine. There will be rants and raves and occasional readings. There will be conflicting creative advice driven by at least three utterly disparate points of view. Your hosts through this adventure are Jeannie Warner, John Schmidt, and myself, Chaz Brenchley. This is episode seven, Our Favorite Characters.
1: I love this. I've been thinking about this for some time. As characters drive story. I mean, uh, something happens to somebody, the hero's journey or the setting, Harry Potter comes of age, the villains descend. Characters drive story. Absolutely. Dialogue advances plot.
0: Is that that, that a truism? Am I supposed to know that?
1: I I think it is. I've told it over and over again. I
0: I have said many times that a plot is just what
1: people do. Um, which is why characters drive story, because. Right. I'm- but dialogue advances from one part. Now, I, I've read a few books that they don't can't all start with saying Rookbat is a star in the G Sag- star in the Sagittarian sector. In which, as we open up every Pern novel in the world, you get this little exposition becomes your old buddy. You say, "Oh yeah, good old Rookbat. Never yep. forget Rookbat." Um, but in general. I've read a lot of stories that are just somebody narrating what's happening, but it's all telling me what's going. And mm-hmm. I do this and I do that. It, it, and those are the ones that I don't finish sometimes or I don't go back to. It really is, how does my character act with other characters? so.
2: But you also bring out a point, show, don't tell. And finally, a point that I believe Kit made to me, which was very simply... Good Lord! Cut those first seventeen lines off. They're not doing anything interesting. <laughs> Only she
0: said it better than that. Yeah, there is there is there is a lovely tradition, um, in publishing where you get the first somebody, somebody's first novel, and you really want to publish it, and the first thing you do is throw away the first chapter. <laughs> um, Jeff Jeff Wyman says that writers like to clear their throats.
1: Oh, I like um, that. It's okay. nice, isn't it?
0: Um, I, I myself am hugely guilty of this. I have one short story, which begins three times.
1: Okay. And
0: and you could totally lose two of them. You could probably lose all three of them. Um, and you would dive more directly into the actual story. But I like beginnings. I like openings. Uh, I'm in favour of setting a scene. <laughs> uh-
1: Sorry, I was just flashing back to a uh, Sandler and Young album years ago. What shall we do for an opening number that hasn't been done before? before. Why even sing an opening number? They usually are such a bore. bore.
2: (laughs) So ignoring the kerfuffle of throwing out the first 10 pages of my next novel or my first novel or the novel thing that I would write that isn't poetry, my favorite characters are sitting in here in front of me drinking coffee and wine. In a
1: book, you can't paint that, Rusty. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, this is beautiful! He's He's blinking. He's gesturing. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. He's gone. We broke him. We We broke him. Who are your who have been your favorite main characters, and what did you like about them?
0: Um. Okay. I, I. I. I will grab one from my current reading. Um, Because I grew up with um, Lord Peter Whimsey.
1: Lord Peter Whimsey is Um, a beautiful main character.
0: He is is a lovely thing. But the the loveliest thing about him is that he's, in the early books, he's pretty much a cipher. He he is not rendered human until he meets Harriet Vank. At which point he suddenly becomes a real person, um, who is actually affected by things.
1: Um, I found that in a bunch of the film noir ones, uh-huh. um, Sam Spade right. and those of their the hard bitten detective yes. novel. Hard bitten or hard boiled? I guess it's hard boiled. It's hard boiled technically. Sorry, um, no, okay. That's okay. But hard bitten hard bitten detective novels that are, and and here was the thing: is you're kind of expected with some of that old style of writing. Yep to To not connect with them as a human being well, on an emotional level, but yeah. just an intellectual. Yes, no, level. totally.
0: I mean this this was this was the thing. I mean, we, we're talking we're talking obviously about mystery stories and yeah. um and crime stories generally at the moment. Um, but no, it was it was the classic thing. It was a crossword puzzle. Um, and that I mean that's the Agatha Christie approach. Um, and and indeed the classic approach of many many writers in the genre. But that's the thing that. Dor- I think I think Dorothy Sayers got bored, um, <laughs> and and decided to invest her characters with some actual humanity, um, which is why those books are still. I mean, you're, I I do not know. I know the first time I read Gordy Knight, which is the prime example of a Peter Wimsey and Harriet Vane novel, and and I mean it's special to me because it's all set in Oxford, which is where I grew up. Um, and the first time I read it was on the train from Oxford to St. Andrews, where I was going to college. Um, and I love that book with a passion, and I do not know how many times I've reread it since then, but I can still reread it. I, you know, the, the, the mystery element is irrelevant at this stage. Hmm. I, I know what happens, and it doesn't matter. It's, you know, I'm there for the characters, um, and, and indeed the setting. Yeah, it's one of
1: those books where Oxford is absolutely a character in its own right that's it's similar to the london of of my beloved sherlock right. yes totally. uh, or similar to any of
2: those lands in the hobbit the love letter to the english countryside which we recognize as the english countryside because of the of the characteristics i find you're discussing the the revelation of the character of a character sorry for the complex no, no. word there a bit uh, Grand Eloquent, if I can mispronounce that word, (laughs) is in part, many of my favorite stories are about revealing the character through their actions and their interactions. The one I just read this last week would be Victoria Goddard's, uh, any of her series with Greenwing and Dart. And you find out that their college students returned, and through the series of books, their character is revealed. And that is fascinating to me. And I come to view them as friends because their character is revealed through the story.
1: Yeah, I I mean, character revealing a story, but in the end, you care about them less than it's like, I've had books where I've thought, what a great magic concept. And I love the way they're doing this. But I hate all the characters, so I don't finish. <laughs> and, it's, and this has been like that because everybody gets a great idea of, I've got this great plot hook that I'm going to throw out there, but they don't really have a real three-dimensional character. Um, yeah, the, the,
0: that's a different thing from I hate everybody in this book. Um, you know, they, can, they can be real and three-dimensional and still deeply dislikable. Um, I, had is- a, I had a long discussion with my friend Sean O'Brien um, who used to be – well, no, he still is, but I'm going to work on from there. He's, he is, I think, the foremost poet of his generation. He's an astonishingly adept poet. Did he pay you? No. Awesome. He used to buy me
1: drinks. That counts.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah, but we buy him drinks too, and we're not right. the best poets. That's true. Of um, but wait, can but, you give his, me his biggest works?
1: Um.
0: That would be difficult. Um, okay. Because, we'll look um, it up and put it in the yeah, later we'll notes. Yeah, we put it up in the liner notes. Okay. Note. Um, but you know, what I wanted to say was that Sean um, is a very well-established poet. Um, he became a short story writer mostly through my intervention because um, we ended up writing ghost stories for Christmas, and then for Midsummer, and, and it became a thing, which is still ongoing, though I am seven years gone. Um, I love that. It's, it, it happens at the Lytton Phil in Newcastle, every Christmas and every Midsummer. What Ghost is, stories, written by friends of mine. The Lytton Phil is the Literary and Philosophical Society of Newcastle upon Tyne, um, but it's actually a private library. Um, it's, it's my favourite place on the planet. It's... I used to live there practically. It's 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 a Georgian building with a Victorian interior, and it's it's exactly what want, library I porn should we'll be. We'll
1: be moving there shortly. Yes,
0: exactly. I yes. There's a silence room in the basement, which was mine.
1: A silence um, room. Yes. Like the Diogenes Club.
0: Much. Ah. Yes. Um. But anyway, no, no, no. I, I was in the pub, I was frequently in the pub with Sean, and and on this particular occasion, I was in the pub with Sean, and he was writing his first novel. Um and um, he was irritated by this whole notion that a character needed to be sympathetic.
1: Not see, I don't even say sympathetic, but I need to like something about it. Like Mark Pentoha from our writing yes. group wrote uh, horror stories, right. and I and I, I remember pointing him and saying, and right here. This was the line where I fell in love with your little psychopath. And and all of the really nice people in my writing group, which most of them are really, really nice people, I know. looked at me shocked. How could I possibly? I'm like, because he did this deeply squicky thing, but but you can't be rude to a bartender. Is that it? And you lost me when you were rude to the bartender because you <laughs> set him up as being, even though he is a vivisectionist taking apart his family with, with irons and poker. I don't even remember. It's been right. a while. Yeah, yeah. But- it's, it's you had it, and there was a tenderness, and there was a certain mm-hmm. passion that made me appreciate, like like how you fall in love with Hannibal Lecter a little bit. Mm. See, right. and, uh, and and again, John is a nice man who just a very made a nice horrible man. face yes. saying Hannibal. But but in the series Hannibal, mm-hmm. he is entrancingly artistic, and something can be artistic and horrible all at the same time, which is in fact the theme of that whole TV series. Yes.
0: The- the, the TV series of Hannibal is oh. one of the most extraordinarily beautiful things yes. I have ever seen. Oh Visually, it's
1: gorgeous. Did you notice the blood swirling in oh, the same yeah, way yeah, that yeah, the yeah, coffee cream swirled? How many times do they have to swirl coffee yeah. until it creamed exactly the same way?
2: They're writers. They have a lot of experience okay. at that. But the point you make is I can go, little, uh, uh, Mr. Lecter. <laughs> and yet he completely fascinates me. Yes. Yeah, he's a horrible person, so he's a horrible character,
1: but you can still But he's still so well done, yeah, no,
0: absolutely. And, and this is, this and is, he drives the story, he does, he completely drives the story. Um, and my argument is that as the writer, you have to be a little bit in love with your villains,
1: yeah. Well, Jeff, Jeff Lindsay, isn't he the one who wrote Dexter? Um, 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 I think he's he might have it, might possibly. be a pseudonym. Sorry, Jeff, yeah. if that's not your real name, but yeah. the Dexter novels. What what a horrific creature that does horrific things to people, and yet I love it. And to a certain extent, that's why I I went out looking to uh, the agents that represent that sort of thing. My challenge is that there are things we accept in a boy that are harder to accept in a girl, which is why it's hard to find representational equality in that way for the female Harboil detective novels. You don't really see, um, do you?
0: Are, have you read Kate Branigan novels by by Val McDermott uh,
1: Yes, I, and I like Val's work. Right. Yeah, yeah, I, I like Val's work very much. I, I read know. it, but it, but it's still not quite the. Um, I mean, the old Sam Spade was a male chauvinist pig. Yes,
0: but the, the whole, <laughs> I mean, he, he was he, he was encompassed by a society that was male chauvinist. Well, it, exactly, um, and and I don't know if you could. Go back and write a female hardball detective in that setting and make it work.
1: But can you do it now can and you have do it? it now? Show Surely up. you can do it now. Well, is it mm. what people expect, though, is an interesting Well, well that's audience. even better. Well, and and there was a fun thing, is I I recall distinctly the first time I ever read female heroine sweeping sci-fi was uh, Joe Clayton's Skeen Books. Right. Which um, the tragedy of Joe Clayton, like dying far too young and too early yes. is one thing, because I was deprived of more Skeen. But yes. Skeen's leap, Skeen's return, Skeen's search. Skeen was the first of my interstellar pirate smuggler active uh, salvage routine. Mm-hmm. And many of my more adventurous, more pushy female sci-fi protagonists in my head mm-hmm. come out of Skeen. Sure. And I wanted to grow up and be skiing somehow. Exactly. And I had never run into that because, and this is again, it can drift too much into the topic of representation. But then you have Kate Elliott's Duran series that also was a female protagonist, and Elizabeth Moon's Paxenarian, which put a female protagonist into a very traditionally male role mm-hmm. of the hero in a hero's quest as yeah. it were, and what is becoming a hero in something that is more than a three minute montage
2: and also in a military setting
1: in this a military strong. setting it's and it's hard and, and so she did it really well and and broke the old rules, yeah, isn't it beautiful and Jack Harkness is one of was one of the <laughs> first captain jack in the, in Doctor Who kind of paved the way for. Why, why do you have to have a binary character either? I mean, not even, neither gay nor straight, but why, why must you define me? I am my own man. I, I love that character. And I, I'm loving the modern hero, heroine, uh, whatever they happen to be, because there's representation, people can see themselves now. And I was never going to be a hard bitten 1940s no. guy. And I didn't like how they treated women particularly. So some of them I didn't enjoy reading as much. But the main character still moves it along. And and rolling
2: back, you've given excellent examples of character. All of these people you've named are strong characters. I don't have much resonance with any of the Doctor Who characters, but I know who that is. Um,
1: Yeah, like Torchwood was an interesting... uh, taking Jack Harkness and moving it forward and giving a woman who was the police officer. And I'm sorry, I've forgotten the name, but I'm sure a thousand of you already know it. So, but yeah. she became kind These of one of the main characters. The internet. the internet can do it. Yeah. But so that, that makes it an interesting thing of did Jack then become a favorite sidekick or is he still a hero or is it a two person Who who are your favorite sidekicks? I had Nancy Drew was some of my earliest book reads when I was a kid, and I loved Bess.
0: I, this means nothing to me. I have not read Nancy, Nancy. Drew.
1: Nancy Drew um, is a series. She was the first young female investigator. It was the same time as Hardy Poise and Jonathan Quest and Johnny Quest and uh, um, the adventure novels for young adults. Mm. I think was some of the first YA before there was YA. Yeah. Her best friend was named Bess.
2: Okay. Definite YA and it goes back earlier, but while, whereas the British got the wind in the willows and other fantasy
1: We
0: did. Mole is it. like a permanent sidekick, oh. actually. Yeah. Um, you know, however the story develops, there's always somebody else who's leading and Mole just trudges along.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, Eeyore is like Aww. one could make an argument for Eeyore being the best sidekick ever. I mean, I don't know. Eeyore Eeyore has always been fond of because he may have been depressed, but his friends still asked him out on adventures, you know.
2: And he still went.
1: It'll India. end in tears. I'll yes. hold the stick. Yes. <laughs> We're all going to die, you know. I'll hold on to the rope as long as I can. And that's a beautiful thing. That's yes.
0: And then, of course, there's the extension of Eeyore in um, Douglas Adams's oh, Hitchhiker. Mar- Marvin, yes. Do you want me to stick my head in a bucket of water? I've got one ready, yes. which is just the best line ever.
1: <laughs> that's, I assume you're going to want to do something terrible, but I'm going to help you achieve your goals. <laughs> that's, that's a beautiful sidekick, really. It, you know, it totally it's, is. You know, it'll end in tears.
2: It always does.
1: Now, there's a question Is the person who says to you in your life, you know, it'll just end in tears, possibly blood, or, does that automatically make them a sidekick?
0: Jean. I think it is. It, I think that is a sidekick's position. I think you are you are stepping into the sidekick role the moment you say that because we know by definition you're going to join in. You're going to do it, whatever it is, although you don't believe in it, yes. and that's a sidekick position.
2: You you've just given us an excellent definition that characters are non-binary. Are they the hero? Are they the sidekick? Yes. Mm. Are they he- the heroine in this novel? Yes.
1: Sidekick's good ideas though, but sometimes. I mean, it has to be executed. I, I would love to see an active. Can you think? Is there one I'm not thinking of that's the. Sam. Oh, Sam. You're right. Sam. Sam which, Wise Gamgee. Oh, Sam. That's yes. Sam. Yes. Sam yes. Wise Gamgee was yes. actually the.
2: Although, of course, in The Lord of the Rings, the hero's role is
0: always the one carrying the ring. And he was a ring bearer. He, he was a ring bearer. Yeah, he absolutely was. That's true. Um, and he was, he was both a ring bearer and a photo bearer yes mm-hmm. which is important
1: that's, that's a double burden yes it is too cuz you yes. know the, the ring doesn't weigh as much as frodo no i'm just saying
0: except though it seems
2: to as you approach the well the you know of doom. well that's frodo getting lighter as well but yes we digress, of course. Well,
1: of course we digress. And of course we that's end up digressing we into Tolkien because lot. Well, there's hello. sidekicks, though. I'm trying to think of like, – mm. besides, you know, you have Robin, you have Watson, you have yes. – um, Lord Peter Wimsey has Bonta. Yeah, well, the person you explain. Well, as you know, Bonta, oh, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> clearly you can see. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, that, and does the that, sidekick become the audience? Is that why we love them? Is because they are that oh, that's fourth uh, estate? That's or? a, that's, that's a
0: um, way to break the fourth wall. I yeah. can't talk to you, the audience, so I talk to my sidekick. Um yeah that's uh, it's Well then that's th- been happening that's since thing.
1: Sophocles really Sophocles yes Sophocles Jeeves.
0: Sophocles okay. is Jeeves
2: the sidekick or Wooster
1: Oh <sighs> I kind of think that Bertie Wooster is his, is his own little sidekick of really it's all about the story of Jeeves Well yeah a butler's tale yes
2: <laughs> mm. No know. no looking at Bertie's character his character drags the stories along
0: Well, it does I mean his it's his ridiculousness that drives the plot but, yeah, and he, it's Jeeves's um
1: phlegmatic
0: phlegmatic worldly um wisdom. um um competence competence Stunningly because Bertie competent. Is, Bertie is totally incompetent at everything he tries to do and Jeeves is totally competent. Yeah. He, is, yeah. he just gets things right. Um. So yeah, it's a balance. Um. That I don't think I don't think either one sidekicks the other. To be honest. And
1: it, well, and it's still always kind of told third person. Now I'm starting to think about when we change it from third person, you know, narrative mm. to first or second person. Do multiple points of view storytelling scenes actually work? I. Ah, uh, um yes yes they do um they what
0: well, they can um yeah. there are many many great books out there that have multiple points of view um Stephen King is a master mm-hmm. um always yeah
1: um nah. sorry Steve you wrote a couple I didn't like but oh god he's on. written so <laughs> many books I I, I I I no longer read him but
0: technically he's yeah. really good at that shifting viewpoint Chapter to
1: chapter. Now, I like it. I can say chapter to chapter. Yeah. I mean, I remember Heinlein's Number of the Beast was the first time I have ever ran into four main characters. Right. There was no sidekick. They right. were, well, well, unless you view the spaceship as being its own so, sidekick. But yeah. four main characters, mm-hmm. each one of them had, it was the whole, but it was the whole chapter from one point sure. of view. Yeah, um, there, was, there was a thing um,
0: which baby writers do. Um and sometimes professional writers do it too, of flitting from head to head within the context of the same chapter. I'm right here. Um
1: <laughs> No, I I got in trouble for this actually. Good. And it was uh, Um and at, and the way they said is like you see this as a movie, don't you? Like, uh-huh. Yes, I did. Of course uh-huh. I saw it okay, unfolding right. right in front of my yeah. head.
0: Yeah, but head swapping is diff I mean it makes me only T
1: V maybe. Um, I, I, there are
0: there are times when even writers I love do it and make it work. Um, and there are times when I find I have done it myself. Um, but that's mostly when I'm pastiche. Like um da da da. Um, Dorothy Alsayers, we will come back to. Um, some of the Peter Whimsy novels. Suddenly, you you in a you in a chapter, you are in a character's head more or less. Um, and suddenly, you're getting a different perspective. And she
1: makes it work. Did she do Gordianus the Finder? Or was that a no, different? No,
0: uh, that's, I can't remember. But you I know who I mean. I do. That was good. Yes.
1: Well, well I'll figure it out and I'll look it up for yes. the liner notes. But yes. yeah. Yeah. and But uh, also, you have ensemble storybooks like Chaucer. There's a movie written about a knight's tale <laughs>
0: there is i love it actually I it's, do too. it's very bad <laughs> but i
2: love it
1: well it's what it is it takes it, is what it makes it, is. it modern
2: if you dropped out the golden years i would have no complaints with it i had great joy in it right up to the bowie i'm afraid and i love bowie but
0: okay. excuse me you Leave cannot my... malign bowie that's right get off the, I'm off
2: the, not, off the couch i not maligning bowie just just that particular dro- use. drop and give us five yeah so
1: we're just saying and so, yeah, but there's ensemble writing can work like uh, Star Trek. Each episode seemed to feature a different character in primacy, although they each had their roles. And Firefly. Firefly. Joss
2: Whedon in general, he would have a main character, but certainly everyone else got their
0: say. Yeah, I mean, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, by definition, is about Buffy, mm-hmm. but there were... The Willow no... episodes. Yeah, absolutely. The, Giles. Yeah. Yes. Yes, everybody falls in love with Giles. Any so I'm disagreement?
1: Thinking, I'm thinking was, about Giles right now. Exactly my point. Sorry. I was
0: waiting for a voice to disagree, but none did. So there you
1: go. Oh, similar to the Angel follow-up. I mean, the minute they invented Lore, the character that could read your aura, but only when you're singing karaoke, yes. I was like, yes. where did he come from? And I love him so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Like Adventures in Babysitting, no one gets out of here without singing the blues. Da-na-na-na-na. Yeah
0: so we've we've broken John again again,
1: he's a fragile fragile creature (laughs) (laughs) now the best thing I got out of the mystery writer's handbook was to Ah. always know what your villain is doing to have that because your villain has a plot and a timeline and if even if it's just, this is when the evil bad train will arrive. This is mm. when the stars will align. This mm. is when the um, clock strikes 12 on the 12th day of the 12th month of the 12th year.
0: Yeah, okay. It's, it's, it's an interesting take on um, going into a book with a strategy. I, I quite like it as a strategy. I, have not, I had not heard it until very recently, and it's not a thing that I have certainly applied consciously um, but I was about to say something terribly interesting about villains at that point. um
1: we'll remember talking. in a minute, yeah, but I was just thinking of like the Moriarty was the first of the creating the the glorious villain the the perfect nemesis, the perfect adversary, the perfect and and to how do you fall a little bit like? I, I never had much use for Sauron, Morgoth, milk or Yeah, other well, um, Sauron is not a character. But the witch I, king of Angbad is lunch. freaking awesome. Could we have more stories about how did this mortal man, because he was one of the knight yes. of mortal men doomed to die. Yes. And how did he go from being, I am simply a good lord of my people, to the witch mm. fucking king of Angbad, man.
0: That That's is, badass. That is precisely the point I wanted to make, which is that no villain actually thinks of himself as villain.
1: I find that on Twitter constantly.
0: What? Mm. Too soon? So, no, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm just
2: saying that, uh, yeah, villains on Twitter. There are no villains on Twitter. Ooh, bad statement. Um, there is a truth to that, but now we, we get in the definition of villain. Villain is one who wants to do evil to thwart the hero, thus making them, in many ways, the most interesting character there. Certainly. Because the villain is the one character in almost any book that cannot be a Mary Sue or a male version of a Mary Sue. What's the male version of a Mary Sue?
0: The male version of a Mary Sue is a Marty Stew. Marty Stew. Marty Stew. That's
1: just wrong. And, and yet, <laughs> I I recently read Tarkin, a book about how a, a lovely man entered the inter service at a time when the Empire was becoming the Republic was becoming increasingly corrupt i mean think of where um, roman empire became roman Re- republic became roman empire okay who wrote this i i don't remember but i'll put okay, it in okay we'll, the well it'll notes. be in the line but notes. basically it's the story of how he gets raised to be one of the moffs and then the grand moff and how he is introduced to to vader who's another up and coming okay. you know in service of the emperor and the emperor just wants to get rid of corruption to get rid of corrupt local you know, star system mismanagement to put down the huts that are getting too much power and spreading their criminal enterprises everywhere because this has been allowed to flourish in a republic. So if they just put, and it created a completely, it turns something unsympathetic into being sympathetic. Okay but i liked peter cushing so much that i read it and <laughs> everybody likes peter cushing uh, it's not peter, to peter like. cushing
0: was an extraordinarily
1: nice man was he apart from anything else he really was he, i um, i wish that i'd met him or slept with him yeah. or something but he he was also one of my favorite early sherlock holmeses i saw yes, one of yes. those and yeah but but to, to that, but taking that and i have enjoyed those where you find somebody that is the quote-unquote bad guy here, that it's like maybe he wasn't always bad. Maybe he started out with what are very noble and just simply he came from a family that's big on the hunt and stopping the chaos and saving the family and preserving.
2: Maybe he's not really bad. Maybe we've just picked the wrong hero to follow.
1: Yeah. You know, instead of them all being rebel scum, maybe they're rebel scum because they are overthrowing the idea that, no, no, you need some governance because when you think about it, a whole galaxy for all of Han Solo's doesn't really work, does it? Because <laughs> how do you collect taxes and taxes buy you civilization? And that alone can f- cause a Twitter storm. <laughs> so, But villains, what are, you, what are your favorite villains there? Now, Tarkin is one of mine. And uh, I always kind of like J- I wrote a, a short story about Jafar, Al-Bernacki, the original – model for Jafar from Aladdin. What if he was just a guy trying to hold his kingdom together in a really rough time? Sure. You know? Yeah. There was a lot of trouble in the Middle East throughout mm-hmm. history. hmm Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I was once invited to contribute a story to an anthology about villains. Who did you pick? I created my own villain. Awesome. I, I don't do that sort of fanfic thing. Um, except, obviously, in the Crater School and um, Peter Whimsey on Mars and and, and and all these other things that I'm doing now.
1: Except when you're not. So except, we'll just yeah, absolutely. Okay, right. um, so, so yeah, no, I,
0: to- I, totally, I totally did my own. I think
1: everybody did their own
0: villains, actually. Um, but I rather wittily called the story Villanelle. Oh. Okay. Thank you. And, and I did write the poem first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then wrote the story and did not include the poem in the story, but it was kind of there in the background. I liked that; that was fun. But he was—he was a totally evil character, and he knew it. I, but I, it's—I it's, mean, that's—that's—that's that's, that's the point I was trying to make: is that generally, villains are not thinking of themselves as evil. They are—I mean, they—they—they they, they may indeed know they're the bad guys. Like, yeah, the great train robbers knew that. Um, this. Well,
1: well, they did that in Red. Of the you know, the biggest thing was when Richard Dreyfus's character said, "You don't torture people, I, I torture, torture people. people. Yeah. I'm the bad guy here." Yes. which was the big oh, yeah, but I that see. Was
2: joking, um, I'm going to go for my favorite sidekick villain ever. Yeah, your choice of Iago.
1: <laughs> ah Iago the parrot or Iago. Probably not.
2: Probably Iago not. is the
1: actual bad guy, though, in Hamlet. Not Hamlet, uh, Othello. Othello. Sorry, Othello.
2: Yes, yeah, and he's the sidekick of Othello. And in Hamlet, well, Hamlet has a whole range of bad guys. It's, but it's was the it uncle Claudius? who's and driving was it. it is. Yes. Yeah,
1: but villain sidekicks.
2: Rosencrantz and Guilden- Guildenstern, simple college students, undertake a commission to have their best friend killed on a voyage.
0: Certainly.
1: Well and you put it. I in mean, the who wouldn't time.
0: when you're in college?
1: I can think of a couple of college friends nice. that maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I think we yeah. need more wine. Possibly. But yeah, these are these are all things that advanced it because I cared passionately about it one way or the other. And that's what I'm trying to say is in the end, all of these entirely compelling characters, you can put that maybe that's what fan fiction is, is mm. I can take Tarkin and dump him in My Little Pony mm-hmm. And he's still interesting. No, was, is, I would still watch the yeah, My Little the, Pony with Tarkin episode. The,
0: the interestingness of bad guys is entirely the point. Yeah. Um, it, is, it is famously the case that the baddie is much more interesting to write than the goodie. Um, I mean, if you look back to all the way to Paradise Lost, there's only one interesting character in Paradise Lost, and that's Satan. Hmm. Um. And, and that, you can follow through the entire history of English literature, he said broadly, Um, to my own work. I'm much more interested in my films than I am in my um, work. And and the thing is, I mean, actually, as often as not, your good guys, if you're writing the kind of fiction that I write, the good guys are the victims. Um, So they're, they're non-contributory, really. They are there to suffer.
1: There is an interesting parallel with many people that I have found online that are both the heroes of their own story, and yet somehow, somehow. the greatest victim ever. Yeah. I could have been a contender. I could have... The man kept me down, so I think yeah. you have something there. Anyway, I will try to get all of links to all of the interesting things we have mentioned in this on the website, which is www.ridersdrinkingcoffee.com you can also find us on Facebook. You've been listening to Riders Drinking Coffee, a labor of love and enthusiasm put together by the hosts. Our main web support magic is brought to you by Deirdre McGaffey-Schween, and our sound engineer and backup web spider is David Welsh. Our intro music is Pretty Made Milking a Cow, and our exit music is Breakfast with a Morning Person, both by Michael Ingberg. You can hear more from Michael Ingberg on Spotify or at manyhatsmusic.com. Today's sponsor was way too much stinky cheese. Mm